Our first uh, scripture reading is from John's Gospel, the 11th chapter. It's the story of Lazarus. I'm sort of splitting it into two uh, readings. So the first is um, verses 1 through 16, again, of John chapter 11. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus. Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory so that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought that he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is a true story about a judge in Yugoslavia who had a rather unfortunate accident. He, he was staying in his bathtub and he reached up to turn on the light and he was electrocuted. His wife found his body sprawled along the bathroom floor. He was uh, pronounced dead at the scene, and as was the custom in that town, they took his body and they laid it in a tomb under a crypt in the town cemetery, and there it was to lay for the 24 hours prior to burial. Well, unbelievably, in the middle of the night, he came to. He woke up, realized where he was, and he went to the night watchman. The night watchman took one look at him and ran away screaming into the night. So, what do you do now? He called his wife to tell her the good news. He got as far as, far as darling, it's me, when he heard a scream followed by a thud of her body having hit the floor. He went around to various friends' homes, all of whom thought he was a ghost, and they slammed the door in his face. Finally, he called a friend in a distant city who was unaware of his death, and his friend vouched for his resurrection. Well, this was not, not Lazarus. Lazarus was really dead. But the story does remind us of how confusing and difficult it can be to talk about death and dying. Yogi Berra once said, always go to other people's funerals, otherwise they won't come to yours. You'll get it later, I know you will. 
But if you think about it, we, we don't even like using the word uh, death in our vocabulary. Instead, we'll say things like, he passed away, expired, stopped breathing, we lost him, she's not with us anymore. Kind of like when your insurance agent in reviewing your policy says, should anything happen to you? Well, today we meet a man who was not at all intimidated by death, who came to overcome our fear of death and the things that kill us. In our second scripture reading, we are concluding this remarkable story from John chapter 11 of the omnipotence, the all-powerful nature of Jesus Christ and how he continues to do that for us each and every day of our lives and especially on this Sunday after Easter. And so I invite you to join me as I continue the story from John chapter 11. You can follow along on the screen and I'm picking it up in verse 17. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said, she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews were with her in the house, consoling her. Saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I've said this for the sake of the crowds standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, 
his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in a moment of prayer? Let us pray. Our gracious and loving God, in darkness and in light, in trouble and in joy, we do come to you this morning, trusting and believing in your loving power. In Jesus Christ, you are the resurrection and the life, and you tasted death for everyone to bring us eternal life. And so we praise your name for your victory over sin, death, and the grave. Stand by those who grieve today. Comfort them with your Holy Spirit and give to them the good hope that we have in Christ Jesus as we pray these things in his holy name. Amen. So uh, Jesus gets a text message. Come to Bethany right now. Lazarus is sick, slipping fast, near death. Come quickly. But it says Jesus stayed two more days where he was. What would you have done? I know what I would have done. I would have hopped on the red eye at a BWI and been wherever I needed to go in the morning. You see, this wasn't just anybody who was sick. The note said this was Lazarus. The one whom you love is ill. Well, by the time Jesus arrives at Mary and Martha's house in Bethany, Lazarus is dead, funeral services are over, and Lazarus is buried. Well, immediately, these two women give Jesus the third degree. Martha says, Lord, if you hadn't taken your good old sweet time, my brother would still be alive. And Jesus says, your brother will rise again. And Martha cries out, oh, don't give me all that stuff about the resurrection of the dead and last day. Don't tell me he's in a better place now or say this is God's will. I want to see my brother. I want to see my brother again. In those days, for a single woman not to have a male breadwinner in the family was to put them in deep trouble. It's possible that Mary and Martha are going to wind up on the streets as beggars. Now, notice Jesus does not say, you're going to see your brother again. Instead, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Martha, you're looking at Mr. Resurrection. I am life itself. Friends, only Jesus Christ can provide the answer to a grieving heart. He didn't claim to have an answer. He claimed to be the answer. I am the resurrection and the life. And suddenly, good old practical pots and pans, Martha, lets out the biggest affirmation to Jesus up to this point in John's gospel. She says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. Well, later on, they go to the cemetery. And it says, when he arrived at the cemetery, Jesus was deeply moved. And in that moment of profound emotional anguish, it says in John eleven thirty five, 35, Jesus began to weep. I think we can probably understand why Jesus wept at the grave of Lazarus. In my almost 30 years of ministry as a pastor, I've officiated over a lot of funerals. I've been to funerals where there's been a lot of crying by family members, by friends, by loved ones. And whenever I officiate at 
a funeral that happens to be in the cemetery, a graveside service, I, I know, I really know why people cry. Because that hole in the ground seems to mock every word that comes out of the Bible. It's like we're playing on death's home court. And we're forced to face the question, is Jesus Christ, who I cannot see, is he really, really victorious over this grave, which I obviously and plainly can see? Yes, I understand why Jesus wept at the grave of Lazarus. One man said this in speaking about the death of his parents. He said, when I get in my car and pull out of the driveway, to my parent and drive to my parents' grave, I am 55 years old. When I'm driving down the freeway and take the exit ramp, I'm 55 years old. When I go through the great stone archway which leads to the cemetery and drive along that curvy lane, I'm 55 years old. But when I stand there with my parents' grave beneath my feet, I am 10 years old. And every time I return to that spot, I am 10 years old. Death is so big and so scary, it makes us feel so small and, and vulnerable. But then suddenly Jesus says, take away the stone. And, and we kind of get a sneak preview to Easter, which we just celebrated last Sunday, when another stone in front of another tomb was rolled away. But at this tomb, once again, here comes good old practical Martha, she says, but Lord, already there is a stench because he's been dead four days. Or as the King James Version of the Bible put it so memorably, Lord, by this time he stinketh. It really says that. Well, just how dead and stinky was Lazarus? Well, in ancient Israel, it was customary to have a loved one visit the grave of someone who had died for three days to make sure the person was really dead. Now, why three days? Well, it was believed that in the first three days, the soul actually returns and hovers around the grave to possibly re-enter the body. But when the soul sees that the color of the person's face had changed and the body has started to decompose, the soul goes away for good. Four days in the grave firmly establishes that Lazarus was really dead. But now Jesus cries out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And that thunder of God's voice combines with the lightning of God's power and, and life flashes back into that cadaver who's wrapped from head to toe. It is when things get most deadly that God gets most creative. How creative? So creative that a man who's been dead for four days hippity hops out of his grave like a man in a sack race at a company picnic. And grinning from ear to ear, he makes a beeline for his sisters who are waiting for him with outstretched arms and they embrace as they are once again reunited as a family. And friends, what Jesus does in our story today, what we saw him do on Easter, he is doing every day of our lives. Everything that could ever entomb us, defeat us, hold us, it's simply an opportunity for God to showcase his awesome power. He is omnipotent. And Jesus Christ leads us out of the tomb of darkness and into the bright sunshine of a brand new day. 
Now, this story does raise for me a rather interesting question. Undoubtedly, there were other people who died that day in Bethany, and yet we only know of one who was raised from the dead. I saw a cartoon in Christianity Today a while back, which had this mummy hopping around in, in grave clothes right towards Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm sorry, Mr. Laskowitz. I said, Lazarus, come forth. I stand by that cartoon. It's a very funny cartoon. I'm sorry. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you. <laughs> so, why, why Lazarus? Well, the Bible says Jesus loved Lazarus. He was a member of the immediate family. It seems to me that God kind of runs a rather nepotistic universe. He's a father God, but he's also a God father, where his friends and family receive all that he has to offer. I love the story about a debate that occurred on one of the college campuses this is back in the 1960s on the death of God. And on one side of the debate stood this pipe-smoky, tweed-jacketed PhD professor with a list of degrees as long as my arm. On the other side of the debate, that, that God was alive, was this inner-city black preacher. The debate was no contest. That poor professor didn't stand a chance. Because at one point during the debate, the preacher said, God? Dead? Oh, no, 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 no. God is not dead. There must be some mistake. If God had died, I would have been notified. You see, I'm a member of the immediate family. Lazarus was a member of the immediate family. And see, when you and I are a part of that inner circle of family, the family of faith, we will never die. Jesus' words stretch across 2,000 years to you and me sitting here today. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And another thing, just to go down a side road for a second, is I just love the fact that, that God makes house calls, don't you? Because Jesus comes alongside this family who, who are hurting and in pain. And, and someone once said it's like that old Western where God has this business card that says, has grace, will travel into our hearts into our hurts, into our loneliness, into our homes. And when we call, God comes. Friends, what the story of the raising of Lazarus simply means to me is this. Someday we're going to get our friends back. Someday we're going to get our family members back. Someday we're going to get our loved ones back. Someday, there will be a great reunion party in heaven. It's interesting that the song from Fiddler on the Roof goes, sunrise, sunset, sunrise. And then in another place, it goes, sunset, sunrise, sunset, sunrise. It doesn't end with the sadness of sunset, but with the sunrise and the dawning of a new day. May Jesus Christ the one who is the resurrection and the life, shine brightly for you all the days of your lives. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for the light that shines in the darkness. 
for the light that can shine even in the darkness of death and tragedy. And that in your light we can turn and face you and receive your grace. Today we thank you for all the saints who from their labors rest, who thee by faith before thy world confessed. We pray for families. Families in this church who are still reeling from the loss of a loved one this past month, this past year, maybe even longer. We thank you, Lord, for your patience with us as we go through our own grieving process and that you come alongside us and, yes, even mourn with us. And you encourage us even as you encourage Mary and Martha in our story today from John's Gospel. Lord, most of all, we do thank you for the hope which is ours of a party you are planning, a party with hugs and kisses and reunions and the wiping away of every tear from our eyes. And in this hope, we meet and we sing and celebrate and we pray it all in the name of Jesus Christ who taught his people to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.